This episode is brought to you in partnership with MUSC's new Health and Wellness Institute. Most of us think of MUSC as a place we go when we're really sick and we need help desperately, but what I want to highlight this season is all the incredible, amazing things that are happening at MUSC to keep you from needing their services, really. I mean, all of this research, innovative treatment, there's really cool stuff going on at MUSC, and I cannot wait to bring some of these physicians and healthcare providers and researchers onto the podcast so that you can hear behind the scenes of exactly what's going on. You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabbleco podcast. I have Dr. Jennifer Jones here today. She is a psychiatrist and she is going to tell us about ketamine today, which I'm really excited. I know you guys have heard me um, talk a little bit about. I actually had some treatments a few months ago um, when I was in a pretty heavy state of anxiety there. Um, But I'm just really excited because I I mean, I don't know much about the science. I, I just think it's so fascinating. I love everything that they're able to do. Um, this is an a, MUSC center space um, in Mount Pleasant. So we're just going to talk about what is ketamine, what is center space, what you know, what are you guys able to do over there? And I'm just, I'm so excited to have her here to talk about it. So thanks, Dr. Jones, for coming. So uh, thanks so much for having me here. Um, so just a little bit about me. Um, I'm a psychiatrist, as Claire has said. Um, had done my residency training in internal medicine psychiatry at MUSC. Um, and then actually did uh, my postdoctoral work for several years in research um, after I finished residency at MUSC. And it was actually during uh, my postdoc um, that I got really, really excited about ketamine. So ketamine um, is used for a number of different conditions nowadays in mental health. Um, It was actually uh, originally used since 1970 as an anesthesia medicine. So it wasn't really on my radar when I was um, starting my postdoc, um, which was looking for new treatment options for substance use disorders, in particular with with, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, But I had come across some older research um, that suggested that ketamine was really, really helpful um, in, in helping people stay off substances and more broadly um, helping people with uh, mental health conditions in general. So that was sort of how I got my introduction into ketamine. Um, ketamine, of course, uh, as most people know, um, works on the glutamate system, which is one of the neurotransmitter systems in the brain. And um, it is called what we what we call an NMDA receptor antagonist, um, but has a lot of different effects on the brain um, and a lot of really cool and interesting properties, um, depending on the dose that you give it at. Yeah, I think my now five-year-old had ketamine when she was getting stitches um, in her face while she was like two or three and had to get stitches. And I, so I, that was like, I mean, I feel like you hear ketamine. What is it? Special K is like the, yeah. street, like the street name. So I'm like, we're just here to talk about how we use Special K um, to actually help people. So how do they, how do you go from having a drug that's, I mean, it's like an illicit drug or using it in an anesthesia setting. And then how, how on earth? 
do they figure out that this is helpful for people? Yeah, that's a fabulous question um, because it is. I mean, first and foremost, it was used um, as your five-year-old was using it for anesthesia. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really great at that purpose. Um, it was also used um, decades ago in war um, for anesthesia. Okay. Um, and then al- along the way over its, its um, 50-year course now, um, they did find that people had um, improvements in mood. Um, so people that may have had depression that were going in for surgery uh, but really had undiagnosed depression. That's not what they were being treated for. They, they were then you know, finding improvements of mood. Um, and, and that actually spawned a lot of the early studies for depression. Um, so ketamine is most studied for depression from a mental okay. health perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's been going on for decades now. Um, and uh, the, the reason that it, it got so much research behind it and is used so widely now in, from a clinical perspective is because um, unlike most of the antidepressants that uh, people take nowadays. Um, everybody's heard of Zoloft and Lexapro and right. um, Celexa, um, and those are great meds, and I still use those meds all the time. Um, but for some folks whose depression is really severe, um, the three to four weeks that it can take for a medication to kick in can feel um, forever. Like an it, eternity, yeah. It, exactly. You know, that, that eternity that it can take for a medication to kick in um, for some folks, that that's just really too long. So that's where, you know, back in the day when they first started looking at ketamine for the depression, um, people got so excited about this because ketamine, um, unlike those other antidepressants, it works in a very different way. Okay. Um, and it also um, works much more quickly for depression. So folks could come in um, and have a, a treatment, a ketamine session, and their depression might be better in an hour. So like literally that day, they might be, literally feel within, better. Literally within the day. Um, and that, that's life-changing for some, for some people. Yeah. Um, that would otherwise, you know, maybe not feel like they were able to wait that out. Um, so that, that's what really got the ball rolling back in the day. And so what's the difference? Didn't the FDA recently or within the last couple of years approve like a ketamine nasal spray for depression? They did. Versus what, I mean, what you guys do in the clinic is either intramuscular or IV or whatever. But yeah. so what's, what, when would you use the nose spray versus a full session? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Another fabulous question. Um, so the nasal spray, uh, and I should clarify too, I have no stock in any of the company, no, nor am I paid by it, oh, by Janssen. Thank, a true academ- <laughs> academian giving us I have, her disclosures. I, I have, have no it. disclosures here today. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the nasal spray um, is a particular type of ketamine. So okay. um, like most compounds, um, you can almost think of it as two different hands. And so ketamine itself um, is like having both the right-hand version and the left-hand version of ketamine. Um, but okay. this nasal spray was de- that was developed by Janssen, um, it's, it's only one of the types of hands. It's only the left-hand version of ketamine. Okay. And, and this gives it a little bit different properties than, um, than ketamine that's often used in clinic that is both types um, okay. together, or what we call um, racemic ketamine. And um, it's a great product. Um, it tends to have, um, it has the same effects on mood. It was extensively studied. Um, it is helpful for depression. Um, it's also been studied extensively for people that um, are on an antidepressant, 
um, or being started on an antidepressant. So it's being used together with an antidepressant. Like that's uh, okay. that's how that body of, of, of research went and how the, the clinical application goes. So it's not really so much designed to be a standalone product, but to be used in conjunction with you're on your Prozac yep. and your ketamine nasal spray or whatever. Exactly. So maybe your okay. Prozac nasal spray is not working so hot. Um, you're, you're okay with taking the Prozac, but um, you're still having issues with depression. Um, okay. That is, that is a perfect time um, to think about maybe doing the nasal spray, which is, um, as you say, FDA approved. And um, a lot of people, their insurance will cover it, which right. is awesome. Um, How do they not get any of the high, like high the weird, you know, anesthetic effect of, is it just such a low dose that you just don't get that when you do the nasal spray or maybe they do get a little, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so the anesthesia, ketamine is a very safe drug. Um, it does nothing to breathing. It's not a respiratory depressant as we call them. Um, which is why it's used in battlefield. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. So battlefield anesthesia, it's one of the, and with children, it's a reason that it's used often because it doesn't, um, opiates and some other medicines that work, work with pain will reduce your breathing, reduce your breathing drive. Right. But ketamine doesn't do that. Um, so, so that makes ketamine great for use in the field, use with kids, use in all these different settings. But they tend to use it when they're doing it for anesthesia. It doses about six to ten times what you use when you're using it for mental health disorders. Okay. Um, so it's interesting. Okay, it doesn't – so the, I, do they not – I mean, then I feel like – why are we not using ketamine more in anesthesia? I wonder if it doesn't do anything to your breathing, but it helps with the pain and the, I don't know, much. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I'm in the interest of full disclosure, again, I'm not an anesthesiologist. So as far as right. how often and how they make their, their exact column, what the best pain uh, medicine is, um, I couldn't couldn't really say for that for any individual person, but they do use it a fair amount. So it, it's yeah. not that yeah. it's never used. I mean, um, you know, your child had a five year old had totally. had ketamine fairly recently. Um, yeah, and uh, and they do use it sometimes for pain in and of itself. Um, different nerve blocks and and different situations where um, other medications might not be as good of a fit. So, so it is definitely being used. Um, it may be that, I mean, you're pretty out of it. Like I'm thinking about after I had surgery and I had fentanyl, I mean, I don't know. I was pretty out of it then though. But I mean, when you're, if you're in ketamine, I mean, you're, you're in la la la. I mean, you're totally out of it. So. You could be. So, so that yeah. actually brings up a really good point too about ketamine, which is um, it's very dose dependent. So what it, the effects that it has on, on the body and on the mind are really, mm-hmm. really dose dependent. Um, so if you're looking to get uh, anesthesia or absence of pain, you're going to be using mm-hmm. a lot higher doses than if you're looking um, to have more effects on the mind. And it, really about a tenth the dose that they use in anesthesia is what we're doing. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, the newer nasal products kind of circling around to that, that too um, is designed to be a really reasonably low dose, like way lower than any anesthesia. Yeah. Um, and tends not to have those kind of intense properties on the mind. Um, the higher you go within a certain realm with ketamine, for many people it has like more pronounced effects on the mind. Um, yeah. So, and, and there's kind of two, I remember when we were talking a while ago and, and you were telling me there's kind of two things when people are doing these treatments that, that might happen because I'm sure there are people listening like, is this good for me? Do I need to do a ketamine session? And you were kind of telling me, 
one, it can reset the neurotransmitter, so we'll talk about that, but then two, it just can put you in a place of where, like, say someone who has PTSD and they just can't, or, or severe depression, or they've had a trauma or whatever from, you know, earlier childhood or early adulthood, and and they just can't even verbalize it, mm-hmm. that it can put you in a, a kind of a mind space where you, you can bring those things to the front and you can talk about them. So kind of tell me the what are the two things you, you feel like are what you might see in, during a ketamine session? Yeah. Um, so, so let's start off with kind of the thought about what does a low dose of ketamine look like? What might uh-huh. that produce? And when might you, when might you use that? Um, so there is just a medic, plain medication effect to ketamine, and then, then there's a, a way that you can use it at higher doses that there is also there can be therapeutic benefit like you can use it um, to help catalyze therapy basically Um, and so at the lower doses where you're really focused more on like a medication-based effect for it um, you know people might feel relaxed so let's take as you're talking about people with severe depression in many cases um, for some folks that means they're not getting out of bed um, yeah. they're not able to function they have thoughts that life is not worth living and they're thinking about wanting to end their life um, you know really ruminating on things that have happened in the past or, or you know feeling inadequate about the future um, and people can be really in dark spots so ketamine can be super helpful in those cases where it seems like um, life is just not worth going on, that they can't get unstuck, and and we need to work with someone in a fairly expedient fashion to get them unstuck Mm -hmm. from that that mood state, from that mental space. Um, And sometimes that that can be intense anxiety. We we also kind of, and that also goes along with depression a lot of the time. So, um, you know, we use it in that context. Um, We also have uh, at Center Space um, a lot of folks that are working um, with therapists in the community, for instance, mm-hmm. um, they have been doing the therapeutic legwork in terms of trying to change their behaviors, trying to get mentally unstuck, trying to figure out what's been going on in their life, what's what's causing them to have, you know, these negative, um, negative mental states, and they're having trouble getting unstuck still. And so yeah. we also use ketamine at slightly higher doses. Um, and even for some folks at the kind of usual dose, which is weight-based, a kind of lower starting dose, um, it can really be helpful in catalyzing insights. Um, so I, I use the example yeah, what sometimes. What does that mean? Um, so let's say that this is someone that, um, you know, has been out in the workforce and, um, you know, they can't figure out why they're just not enjoying day-to-day life so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might come out of a ketamine session and um, realize that they have lost their sense of wonder in life, yeah. that they've lost their sense of joy, that they have, um, you know, many adults have forgotten how to play and have fun. Yeah. Um, but, but that's a part of, you know, enjoying day-to-day life. Um, so, you know, these therapy sessions can be really helpful in, in catalyzing these insights for some folks. Um, especially in conjunction with um, ongoing therapy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, the challenge then after the, the ketamine session is how do you take this insight, or, or maybe it's an insight that you're feeling disconnected from people. How do you take that insight and then translate that into behavioral change? So that's another way that ketamine can be used mm-hmm. um, is to help people get unstuck through helping them to, um, to make behavioral changes. 
So if you've been following DabbleCo and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. And then, it, but then it can also literally make chemical changes in your, or, or I don't, not chemical, but neurotransmitter changes. And what does that look like? Or what, what does that effect look like? Yeah. Um, so that, that's a very deep question on several levels. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, it's a great question, but it is, it's a very deep question too. So it, it's a complicated, it's both simple and complicated. We know, um, for instance, like I was saying, that it works on the glutamate system in the brain. Right. Um, but neurotransmitters um, don't act in um, isolation. So one neurotransmitter system, just because ketamine works on a particular type, one particular type of glutamate receptor, um, it actually has effects on, on other types of glutamate receptors, mm-hmm. on other neurotransmitters. Um, so there's, there's a couple that, um, you know, are really important in depression, anxiety, uh-huh. PTSD, and, um, substance issues, uh, but they're they're all related. Um, and it, at the end of the day, I feel like the take-home message that's important for most people is that it helps their mind um, really get uh, unstuck. So um, depression, like a reset. Yeah, it's a little bit like a reset. And so um, you know, with resets, um, they can be temporary. So you know, you can kind of get going back into your rut or you can use um, the reset to get unstuck. So, you know, you, you clean your closet, right? And your closet, you've, you know, done Marie Kondo, your closet looks amazing. Um, mm. And and you can either kind of roll with that. Um, yeah, and kind or of two have, weeks later, it's a disaster. Yeah, and so that that's where I feel like with ketamine in particular too, you know, it's really important that we are working in the therapeutic capacity to capitalize on the reset ability for ketamine, yeah. that it, it can kind of increase um, what we call brain plasticity, which is a, just a fancy way of saying that um, ketamine um, facilitates neuron, new neuron connections and, and facilitates a reset. Well, it's interesting too, you know, I know when I was coming in for my interview to do a couple of sessions and you guys kind of talk about everything from head to toe, like, do you have any pain anywhere? And And anybody who's been listening to me for any length of time knows I have this like weird skull-based condition and I had to have surgery for it and I've got these crazy headaches and you know I the surgery was really helpful but I still you know it's like well, I mean I have a headache on some scale of one to ten pretty much every day um 
and we talked about, you know, I didn't expect the ketamine to do anything for it. You guys were like, we'd probably, you know, we're just not making any promises. And I was like, no, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I'm an anxious mess. But, but I will say, I mean, I, I don't remember if it was the first session or I did three sessions, I think. I don't remember if it was the first or the second, but all of a sudden there was just this light bulb where I was like, I have not had a twinge of a headache in days. And then it was weeks and then months. And then as we're talking, I'm, I'm remembering that it had that effect because I've, I've been having more yeah. headaches the last like month or so. I've been having more headaches and I like, do, maybe I should go do another session, you know, because I mean, it was, I, it's hard to explain when you get so used to something, I think in your life. And that's just kind of your baseline. And then it goes away and you're like, that's weird. Like where, what happened? But it, I, did it reset my neurotransmitters? I don't know. I yeah. don't. I, I don't know. Well, and pain headaches, of course, being a, a type of pain. Although um, you know, other people that come in the clinic have um, a lot of uh, somatic, somatic or body-based pain. Um, you know, the thought is: is this is pain of the mind or is it of the body? And and that right. too is actually a really deep question. Right. Which, we cannot answer that today. Which we that's cannot too answer much. today. No. Um, that's, no. But yeah, so so for some folks um, that don't have issues with headaches, they, they may come in and they may notice that they have a mild headache for a few hours after their sessions. But mm-hmm. we have had folks such as yourself that come in um, for ketamine sessions and they find that their headaches are improved or their chronic pain is improved. Right. Um, we, you know, it's not so reliable that we can guarantee that as an outcome. Right. Um, but... But they're definitely, I mean, they use it in an anesthesia for pain control. So that does. Do you feel like it's worth it if you've got some, say you're a provider and you've got a patient that just has chronic pain from something. I mean, do you feel like it's worth a shot of a couple of these sessions to see if it will improve their chronic pain? Yeah. So, you know, with our sessions, at least, and kind of our our basic um, philosophy about ketamine, one, we want to make sure that it's a medically um, safe treatment for people. Yes, it's really low risk um, for the most part, but, yeah. um, you know, there are a handful of um, medical reasons why it might not be a great idea for, and, and psychiatric reasons, why it might not be a yeah. great fit for somebody. Okay. Um, but beyond that, like I said, you know, it's being used, it's used often in children, it's used um in, in war, um, war anesthesia, um, so because of the lack of issues with related to breathing. Um, yeah. So as far as somebody thinking, you know, for chronic pain, is this worth a shot? Um, you know, that's really something that's best on, I think, a one-on-one basis. Like, Just have a they, conversation. Yeah, yeah, starting the conversation, and we are always happy at Center Space to have that conversation of, is this yeah. a good fit? You know, what all have you tried before? Is there something else? maybe that um, would be um, a better fit or um, do you feel like you're kind of at the end of the line and you, and you want to try this knowing that it might make your headaches worse but maybe it'll yeah. make them better or same with your chronic pain that's how where I mean that's where I so um, that I mean that's exactly where I came in I feel like as I have had anxiety and I was on because of the headaches they switched me from Prozac to Effexor and then I had to get off Effexor well I mean I eventually got off Effexor it's terrible I don't think anybody's ever been on it's like the worst ever but getting off that and then and then I was in this weird place of like no one really wants to put you on an SSRI because that can make your headaches worse but also I'm having all this anxiety and then like that's giving me headache and I just felt like I was in this vortex of like I can't do the right thing and I I 
it, it, it allowed, basically, I mean, it also just allowed me to get back on an SSRI headache free, um, yeah. which for me was huge because that's what, what I needed to get back to a, a place of not having, I mean, not having a panic attack at two o'clock in the morning because yeah. I like maybe didn't make the kids lunches the next day. Like, yeah. that's not rational. That's not... Yeah. No one needs to live there. Yeah. Or you, you forgot the carrots that were supposed to go in their lunch. Right. I mean, just yeah. totally, like, why? I'm talking about chest pain, you know, like, sweating profusely. You're sitting up in bed, like, I can't I can't breathe because I might not have put carrots in the lunchbox. Yeah. I mean, that is bananas. And that's kind of where I was. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we're always, you know, so delighted to be able to help. Um, I think, you know, it's important to recognize, too, kind of thinking about the chronic pain um, that we were just talking about, that many people with chronic pain, it can be really debilitating. And that can also come along with a lot of depression. So, or yeah. depression can come along with chronic pain um, and anxiety can come along. You know, for right. you, the headaches were, were more in conjunction with anxiety. Yeah. Um, but these things typically don't occur in isolation. So, yeah. so that too is where, you know, someone coming in the door that, you know, yes, they may have chronic pain be wondering if it's going to help their pain. Um, but I think it's equally important to focus on um, the individual as a whole and, you know, is there depression that's going on? Um, because we certainly know that it can be helpful for that. Um, it, it's also, I think, really important to call out the importance that for many people, day-to-day -day medicines um, are helpful and, and we don't intend right. you know, to claim that otherwise. Um, some people will do a series of ketamine sessions and they will never need more medication than that. But there are a lot of people um, for whom it, there's definitely a role still for day-to-day um, -day medicines like Prozac or, or sertraline, uh, Zoloft, Celexa. Um, and then the not ketamine is like a, No, like, I'm kidding. God, for, don't ever. But <laughs> no, some, I'm some people love it. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's so funny what different people love different medicines because they, you know, they just all have a little bit of different effects. And, and, and it, listen, it's a drug that obviously works well or it wouldn't be on the, you know, on the market. But yeah. Definitely so does ketamine it, so. like almost become like a booster session for some people who are who are on their daily meds and then they just kind of get in a place like where you were saying earlier they they just get kind of stuck and you can't get your mind right as the kids yeah. say they'll come in and do a session like once a quarter once a year or what does that look like yeah so that that is so individual um, yeah. You know, what we know, obviously, I'm part scientist and, and part psychiatrist, um, right. So, but we at the clinic, all of us are, are very um, evidence-based. We want to know what the right. scientific research um, tells us is the best way um, to do things um, and then go within that to customize a, a game plan for each individual that walks in the door. So, right. um, you know, some people have suffered with depression for years and years. Um, and they may go through a, um, a short series of ketamine treatments um, and they may feel a million times better. Their depression may be gone. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's actually not real unusual at our clinic. We, um, that is so interesting to me that somebody can have depressions for year. I mean, I'm sure there are people that just think this is where I live. And then mm -hmm. a few sessions and they're just a totally different person. I mean, that is wild. Yeah. As a clinician, that's one of the things that makes it so rewarding to do this kind of work um you know it's definitely not a hundred percent of people that come in the door that walk right. out feeling better um but you know of people that have had um 
been on on medications in the past for depression and and really never had a good response. Um, we still have um, well over fifty percent of those do end up getting significant relief from their depression, um, and and that's amazing. So so rewarding, um, but. One thing that's really interesting that's not actually talked about in the ketamine um, or, or the science literature or in the community much um, is how scary that can sometimes be when someone does have depression that's really severe for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And then, you know, these medication sessions improve that and they, they know what it's like to feel not depressed after yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and and they're actually very afraid often of going yeah. back and feeling that way again. Um, and so that's where, see that. yeah, that's, that's where we do end up customizing and, and individualizing someone's plan or, or maintenance, so to speak, um, a lot because some folks are just terrified of, of going back to how they had felt before. Other right. people are like, gosh, I feel like I'm a million bucks. Um, I just want to come back when I feel like my mood is dipping again. And so there's a lot yeah. of, um, a lot of flexibility and a lot of working with the patient to figure out what the best game plan is for them. Um, we do usually say in the beginning, if you're just starting treatment, that um, the science says you should give it four to six treatments yeah. to see if it's going to turn the corner. We, we usually know within that if it's going to make an impact on mood. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, four to six may not be quite enough for some people. It may be plenty for others. But again, mm-hmm. that, that's where we're really, at our clinic at Center Space, um, we're really objective. Uh, we are, you know, monitoring and measuring um, whatever someone's coming in for, if that's depression, anxiety, pain, mm-hmm. trauma. We're really um, systematically and objectively measuring that session to session, week to week, to make sure that um, these sessions are helpful for somebody, that, that we're doing a treatment that is um, providing benefit. And, that, and, and so, and on that, when you were saying that, I kind of was answering the question I was about to ask you, but I, I was about to say, okay, there are little, like you'll see ketamine clinics kind of pop up and I, there's like a plastic surgery office, I think around that does ketamine. I'm like, okay, well, so what's the difference? Like, why would someone want to choose I mean, I know what, but like, why would somebody want to choose? Like, what what do people need to look for? So, I mean, a lot of my listeners are Charleston or South Carolina, but then there's people in you know Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, really all over the country that might be thinking, well, how do I find the right person if I feel like I need ketamine? How do I find that person that can actually help me do that? Yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the things that distinguishes our clinic is that we were all mental health providers um, mm-hmm. for a long, long time. We all have all been mental health providers for a long time. Um, right. So if you're going to use ketamine for, for mental health conditions, this sounds um, maybe a little basic, but having an understanding of mental health conditions is pretty essential to being able to use ketamine effectively to treat mental health conditions. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not knocking anyone else that does this in the community that, that maybe has a different background. I do believe that um, you can have really good clinicians of many, many specialties. But, right. But if you're going to treat mental health disorders, um, it, it's good to be very grounded in mental health, to, to have yeah. a, a psychiatry background, for instance. If you're a doctor, a psychiatry background um, really well prepares you to uh, diagnose and treat depression, diagnose and treat other mental health disorders. 
and to know when it's not appropriate for someone. So as I've said, there are some mental health yeah, conditions. Who, w- tell us who it's not appropriate for. Because, right? you know, I sometimes listen about ketamine. And I'm like, it's great. Everyone should do it. But, like, yeah. that's not the case or everybody would be doing it. So who's it not right for? Well, this is, again, where it's really important to meet the patient. Um, but if, But a few things that can make someone not a great fit from a mental health perspective. Um, someone that has had trouble um, with not knowing what reality is. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. for instance, of people okay. that have um, trouble hearing things and seeing things they can't explain or hallucinations. Mm-hmm. If they've had a history of that um, or um, just have otherwise sort of lost touch with reality, maybe they have um, like paranoid schizophrenia. Um, yeah. And there, there's a lot of related conditions along those lines. Um that can be a really pretty strong um, indicator that this is not a good treatment for them because the the ketamine treatments do sometimes make people feel like they're in an altered state of awareness for a couple of hours. So if if they have those sorts of mental health problems already, um, it can be even more dramatic and might make those problems worse. Um, There's some controversy about that, but um, we're very, very careful to to check in on that. someone that is extremely anxious mm-hmm. um, and is very afraid of being in an altered state of mind, we are also extremely mm-hmm. careful about ketamine and in that, using ketamine in that context. Because um, it's weird. I mean, it's real, real yeah. weird for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, that that is your experience, and I think it's a common one. Yeah. Um, but we have people, you know, on a really large spectrum um, who are go everywhere from just feeling a little bit relaxed during their sessions, but um, you know, able Ooh, to talk so and verbalize, um, yeah. to having you know extraordinarily vivid and often archetypal imagery for a period um, that feel like that they are almost on a spiritual plane and everywhere in between. So you were okay. You know what I between. felt like? Have you seen that movie Inside Out? No, but you. Oh you my God! <laughs> you're a psychiatrist. <laughs> I have, I have homework movie. tonight, I can tell, from our podcast. A, first of all, it's one of the cutest Disney movies ever. But, okay, so Inside Out is about the inside of this little girl's mind. Oh. And there's, like, each little character. So there's joy, there's sadness, um, fear, and and anger. And which my five-year-old, like, loves this movie. And sometimes she'll be like, Mommy, anger's controlling you right now. I'm like, yeah, no. Um, but, yes, but honey, you're right. This, it is. Right, Yes, and that's what yes, you're making it. Um, so, but there's this little scene where the characters, and you haven't seen it, so you're not going to get it. But when you watch it, there's a scene where the little characters, all the emotions, are trying to take a shortcut through the brain, and they're not supposed to be there. And so the things, like the, the reality that they see, like starts kind of collapsing, and they turn into these like shapes and colors that yeah. are just talking to each other. And I was like, oh my God, that's what ketamine feels like. <laughs> the last time I was like, you have got to watch this movie. It is, yeah. you will so appreciate it. It's so good. Well, and it, it sounds like it's actually a pretty good depiction. We've had a, a few folks that have um, likened their experience to feeling like they were in the movie Fantasia. As another yeah, as another probably. homework option. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that so. since I was super little. So yeah, I should probably watch that again. But um, yeah, I just because we watch that movie all the time. And the first time I saw it after ketamine, I was like, that is exactly what I. If I had to just try to describe it, because it's 
it's just so such an interesting interesting um experience or it was it was for me um well so how can people find you guys if like if somebody thinks that they might be a good candidate so I guess we talked about who's not really a good candidate but so what who do you feel like is worth having a conversation with to see if they might be a good candidate so um the easiest answer is folks that have had long-standing depression that Mm -hmm. have um tried the usual medications and really just had very lackluster um um, results with that like Uh that is um probably the bread and butter of who is a first choice candidate for ketamine okay um and and that's mostly based on the fact that it's had decades of research behind that and um we really know that it has a robust response for many people yeah it's more about customizing the treatment um and then beyond that, um, you know, we, there's a lot of research and, and scientific evidence for other mental health disorders. So um, I'm thinking like post-traumatic stress disorder, for instance, uh-huh. is a condition that um, we do have medication treatments for, but um, unfortunately... That can be really tough to treat, right? It's Isn't really tough so to hard? Treat? Yes. Um, and, and some people with anxiety, too. Um, have also had difficulty with either the treatments um, or yeah. the medications. So, so basically, people that have been trying medications for a while um, but are still struggling with symptoms. Yeah. Um, as a broad uh, overview, that that's a somebody that should probably be talking with their psychiatrist or, or mental health yeah. provider to see if maybe this would be a good fit um, yeah. as a first and step. So, how do people do? People call you if they want an appointment or how do people find you to make an appointment? Yeah, we do. We have a website. Um, so you could, uh, Google MUSC center space, um, and okay. we should pull up. Um, and then we, we also have a phone number that we can, we can pull up or list. I don't know if you do that typically. Um, yeah, I can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and you know, I, at the end of the day, we like to make sure that people know that it, it's not on them to figure out if this is really appropriate or not. If they're interested in it and would like right. to find out more information, um, it, it's not um, a patient's job to know if they have a health issue that might make them not a good fit. Um, you know, we, we want to meet you. You want to talk to them. Let's yeah. find out more about what's going on, what somebody's goals are. Um, and then, you know, we are very candid um, about whether or not we think, um, you know, this will be a helpful treatment for yeah. somebody or if there's some reason because everybody's an individual um so you know making sure that we're evaluating each person and their circumstances and their goals um, yeah. to see if this is going to be a good fit for them and likely to be helpful for them so we're really upfront about that yeah and yeah. if not it's... we're actually really well connected within the musc network and community at large um and we are to happy somebody to make... that can help them we can make yeah if if ketamine is not the right fit for somebody we are happy to make referrals. Well, it's just been so interesting to hear about it and hear all, you know, the ins and outs and how it actually works. And I, I think um, I love episodes like this when I know like someone is listening and it's going to make a huge difference to them. And they're, you know, this is what their spouse or their parent or their friend just desperately needs. And it, because it's really, it's such an interesting life-changing thing um and it's it's really cool what you guys are doing so thank you for being here thanks for taking the time today yeah i think thanks for having me uh, on it's um you know ultimately incredibly rewarding as a clinician to be able to do this kind of work 
um, because there are a lot of people that we find benefit from it. But um, yeah, please, oh, yeah. Um, you know, everyone that's listening, I hope you feel free to reach out with any questions for us. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. As always, if you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe, share it with your friends, um, send it to everybody. And that's how we keep getting good guests and how people hear about the show. And we'll talk again in a couple weeks. Bye. Thank you.